You are listening to Pangea Cast, the digital voice of Pangea Church in Seattle, Washington. We are a church that follows in the way of Jesus to inspire others in the way of love. Visit us in person on Sundays or online at seattlepangea.com. Hey, great to be with you, gang. This is awesome. Uh, it's 2020. Our series is called 2020. It's a very creative title, I know. And uh, we are going to be uh, doing some talking and thinking this morning. Um, if I have not gotten to say hello, again, my name is Kurt, and hello. So a couple of things, right? So one of the cool things about the idea of 2020, um, there's, there's some of us don't have 2020 vision in the room. Uh, there's quite a few, actually. Um, I don't have severe bad vision. I mostly wear them because of the style. No, <laughs> sort of. No, I, I mean, I have, I have some vision impairment, um, I'm not one of those who can't tolerate not wearing my glasses or not having contacts. Now, I know others who this is actually a really big part of their lives. And um, vision is something that a lot of us maybe take for granted, right? Being able to have clarity. My daughter's going to say dada the whole time, by the way. This is her thing right now, and I'm supposed to go Chloe every time. And so I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> we're, in a, we're in a season. She likes me a lot. It's good, right? So, so vision, right? It's something that many people, it's just natural, right? And until you know that it isn't always perfect. And so those of us who know what it's like to have some blurriness in our vision, or perhaps those folks who have no vision at all, uh, know what it's like to say, yeah, I wish I could see more clearly. I wish I had greater awareness of what was in front of me. And, and it's interesting as we think of New Year's because uh, th- there's nothing Christian about the New Year, like at all. This is just our calendar that's set up. But it is culturally something that's often associated with a reset, fresh invitation, fresh vision to see things that maybe we didn't see before. And, and so I, there's a lot about a New Year that I like. I like that it's also sort of a new decade. And it's, I say sort of because actually next year's a new decade, but we're culturally we know that it's whatever. We're, we just go by the 20s, 30s, 40s. So, so we're going to roll with that. And if you don't know why, the calendar starts year one, not year zero. That's why. Okay. So the, the point being that when we're in a new decade, a new measure of time, we're also maybe invited into something. We're invited to then look back at the previous. What was your life like during 2010 to 2019? Uh, we're going to talk some about that. Uh, before we do, though, I, I think it's also a time as a church, it's kind of interesting. We're, we're in this season where we're holding a lot of stuff. Particularly, I'm thinking of our rhythms and, and the way we gather. We're, it, it's going to start feeling different as a church. I think it's for the positive, but it also means that um, some of the things we're used to seeing aren't going to be as present. And then some of the things that we've longed to see, if we invest our energy, our emotion, our, our presence, perhaps we may see with even greater clarity than we have before. This desire for relationship and, and leaning into the ways of Jesus outside of formal gatherings. And, and I'm just really excited about that. And, you know, um, if you're not really caught up, I want to make sure everyone's on the same page. This week, we're having a formal worship space gathering like this. Next Sunday, same time, same bat channel, right? We're going to be in the same place, but it's just going to be different than we've done before. We're going to have brunch together. Um, I think my friend back there is going to be helpful. Lizzie is going to be helping sort of 
organize and stuff. And, um, and, and we're all going to be invited to bring something. So if you are able to bring something, it, it doesn't matter what you bring. Just bring something breakfasty, uh, if possible. <laughs> um, and, and if you're unable to do that, just come and eat our food. We don't care. Like, it's great. But, but the point being this, that we're going to have brunch together. And then basically, we're going to break into discussion groups based on the region of town we basically are in. Does that make sense? So, so if you are someone who's like, Ballard-ish and kind of towards the north, then we will be meeting in the north side of the building eventually. We kind of really thought through this, right? And then if, if you're someone who meets on the south side of town or lives on the south side of town, um, you'll be meeting on the south side of the building. We're going to have it all set up, so don't worry about that. Um, but it's going to be a, a new way of seeing what church could look like for us. Um, you know, one of the things that we set out to do early on as a brand new church planty thing was to say, we want to be flexible and innovative wherever needed. And innovation was one of our core values before we synthesized them and made them actually more succinct. But innovation is at the heartbeat of who we want to be. We don't want to get stuck in patterns. We want to lean into what the Spirit of God is inviting us to do and be and, you know, take risk. And why not take a risk with people you like, you know? And so, so that's kind of what to expect. And We'll have communion still every Sunday. So that's something that's not going away, that sort of anchoring point for the Sunday rhythm. And so I'm really excited about that. You'll hear more about that. We're going to fumble through it this first month because it's different. But my, my sense is that this is going to be good. And then on weeks like this where we're worshiping together, of course, those of you who are part of our village groups, the North and the South group, um, you will uh, be invited to gather in homes. And instead of talking about the sermon, you're just going to get into each other's lives. And I think that that's going to be um, really sort of this gracious new extra space to um, really dive in. Because next weekend, of course, that's when we'll process the sermon. I didn't say that earlier. So we're all following. We all kind of get it. Swimming a little. Yeah, yeah. And I know that. And I know that. But I, I invite you to um, just... Give our experiment a try. That's all I can do. And I'm excited to uh, see what that looks like. And so when I think of 2020, I, I think of like fresh church vision. You know, I think of fresh invitation to, to step into loving each other well, following the ways of Jesus well, inviting the presence of God to fill our lives with wisdom and transformation and awareness. And so... I want to talk about this morning something that maybe you've heard before, that hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. You know, it's interesting that at this time of year, I'm one of those people, by the way, 60% of people in this country will have a resolution of some sort. Yeah, yeah. So 60% of people, and I don't want to know who is or isn't. It's cool. Like, it's your deal, right? But but um, has some sort of resolution or maybe just like some sort of like self-initiative that comes out of a season like this. Um, and, and when that happens, we also know that often those things don't actually follow through, right? It's hard. Like having fresh vision for life is really hard. And, it, and we can look backwards and be like, oh, wow, that is really hard. Look how, how that's gone so far. But, but I think, 
the idea of resolution isn't bad, right? There's all kinds of resolutions you might be making, health, finances, relationships, career changes. There's, there's tons of things you might be resolving to put into your life that's going to enhance the way that you love and live in the world, right? Now, what I want to invite us to think about, though, is before we start looking forward, we've got to look a little bit backwards. And so what I, what I want to do this morning is I want to invite us to talk about the, the backwardness of 2020 and the reflective nature of being a follower of Jesus and, and, and being someone who says, what has God done in the last decade? What has my life been like in the last decade? Wherever I am in my own spiritual understanding of who God is, like, what has that been for me? Highs, lows, growth curves, spaces where maybe you didn't grow, right? And then, and then the, the other piece is to say, okay, so if that is there, is it possible to have foresight? So if hindsight is a gift, foresight, I think, is just good wisdom. Can't predict what's going to happen, but you can say to yourself, I'm going to step into this year with some intentionality around the things that I can be intentional about. Here's what you can't be intentional about, unfortunately. We might go to war right here, right? There's violence happening. America likes to bomb things and people. And we don't have control of that. It's stressful. You're going to see it in your newsfeed for the next months. We don't have control of the, the, the wildfires in Australia. We just can't have control of that. And it's overwhelming and it's sad and it's painful to see. I mean, I read something like 500 million animals have died plus humans, <laughs> right? I mean, it's insane. Koalas are about to be on the endangered species list. I mean, it's just, and it's overwhelming. But what can we actually step into? What, what part of life do we actually have some say-so in? And how can our lenses actually enhance that space? Because what happens when a group of people start to really lean into good foresight, the way of Jesus kind of foresight? It's, it's, it's amazing. Like, people compound, and, and it gets bigger and more beautiful. It, it's never going to be just about you if you do that with others. And of course, hindsight, right? I got a definition, just because why not use Wikipedia's Wiktionary? Um, in hindsight, things that... Things are obvious that were not obvious from the outset. One is able to evaluate past choices more clearly than at the time of the choice. And so I've been looking at my last decade and I've been seeing all kinds of stuff. Some of the things I've seen are like, whoa, it has been a hard decade. Like a really, that, that was a hard decade. Like a lot of low points in our journey. And then, and then I, I, you know, I actually, I, I sit with a, a spiritual director, which is just like a spiritual counselor or a mentor, and, and, and he, he kind of was like, yes, <laughs> what about all the other things? And help me, like, gather up. So if you're, if you're someone who says, whoa, it's been, a, it's been a battle the last 10 years, can we gather up the good? Can we also gather up the beautiful? And, and, and it's interesting to me that as I look back at my own journey, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, even those painful things shaped me. It's very bizarre. Some wounded me. Some invited me. Some purged me of things that I needed to be purged of, immaturities of various sorts. 
And then the good things were actually really good. I went deeper in my marriage. I have two babies. I have this baby called the church, right? Y'all. Like, like there, there's so many just things to celebrate about the last decade as well. So, like, like when you look at it, and I, I really would invite you to do this if you haven't been doing it yet. Like, sit sometime in prayer really wrestling with this. And we're going to have some time at the end of this message to actually do some posturing and prayer around some of these ideas as well. But that is, for me, one of the gifts of this time of year, particularly when it's a zero after the first digit, new decade. So one of the things that I want to invite us to think about is as we look back at the previous 10 years, what is one thing? Just pick one thing that you are willing to discuss in a group setting. And we're going to break into little pockets of threes and fours or whatever feels comfortable where you're sitting. And, and it doesn't have to be this major thing, or it can be. But ask each other this question. As you look back at the previous 10 years of your life, what is one thing that you now see with hindsight? So for me, I never thought I would have two daughters like this. Like, I, I just wouldn't. And that's... <laughs> um, or that the small one would walk and talk a little. Like, I... It's weird, right? I know I, I could only see that with hindsight. I didn't see that coming. And so there's all kinds of other things, of course. So I'm going to invite you into conversation. Take about five minutes. If conversation um, is something you might need to pause from, of course, go get some coffee. There's a bathroom downstairs and do all of that. We'll come back together in about five minutes and we'll keep going. Does that sound okay? All right, let's go for it. Looking back, right? Looking back is an interesting experiment, depending on what you're looking back at. You can have a lot of joy associated with it. You can have all kinds of other complicated emotions associated with it. And um, that's, at the end of the day, that's a gift, right? Because you're here right now. You don't live in the past. You live right here. You actually live in this moment. Every breath you take is the present place that you inhabit. And, and so as we look backwards, we're actually giving ourselves a gift and saying, I'm still here, so what does that mean? What does that invite me into? And I know a lot of folks who um, do this maybe in a way that I wouldn't necessarily advise. You go back, you look backwards, and you find the glory days maybe. And, and, and that's where you want to live. But those aren't where you're at now. What does it mean to find a fresh reality that feels glorious today for you? being present in the moment. Or, or perhaps as you look back, there's a lot of like stuff that's heavy and hard. I would never say to forget that exists, but I'd invite you to say, how can I hold that now? And what do I need to hold it if it's heavy enough, right? Some of us need help holding stuff like that. Community is one layer of that, but there's obviously bigger layers to that sometimes, right? Mentoring, therapy, whatever it might be. So so as we look back, we can do so with an appreciation, a sense of frustration, all of that, but then say, I'm still here. That's a gift. What does it mean? And you know, it's interesting. I, I kind of am sitting my, my own life right now between this tension of like hindsight and foresight, and I, I found this passage in the Gospels that really Jesus seems kind of harsh, and, and I think he's harsh for a reason, 
but it's, it's one of those that doesn't feel very nice. And so I thought, what a great way to start the year, hearing the, the meaner part of Jesus when we think of him as so nice. But, but I think that he has something to invite us to as we step into that tension between what's happened before and where we hope to go. And, and this is what it says, and this is in Luke's gospel. Luke is one of the four gospels that we have um, in the New Testament that tells the story of Jesus. This is chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 57. And this is how it goes. They're, they're traveling, and Jesus is set up with this situation. As Jesus and his disciples traveled along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and the birds in the sky have nests, but the human one, also the son of man, has no place to lay his head. So, so someone comes to Jesus and says, look, I'm willing to like give my life to this vision that you've painted. I'm willing to go wherever you want to go. Like I'm all in. And Jesus says, really? Do you realize I have nowhere to lay my head? You, are you all in on that? This isn't just like some casual statement from Jesus. Jesus is getting at something really hard here. He's saying, look, you want to follow me wherever I go? Are you sure? Like, do you really get what that means? That means sacrifice. And then Jesus is like, look, even animals have somewhere to sleep. I don't even know where I'm going to I have nothing. I, I got nothing. And one thing it raises in me, right, if we're going to talk about 2020 and we're going to talk about like a, a fresh vision for leaning into the way of Jesus, leaning into God's spirit, guiding our lives, will we really go anywhere with Jesus? I mean, I think that's a question worth asking. Will we really go anywhere with Jesus? Not, not just like, yeah, I really like some of the ideas in the Bible or, or yeah, I really think some of the things Jesus says are, are good. But are we willing to engage with God in a way that we are opening up that vulnerable space within us to say, God, what does 2020 have for me when it comes to my character formation? When it comes to the way I posture myself on a daily basis? When it comes to becoming the kind of woman or man who is helpful to my neighbor what does it look like to really go anywhere with Jesus in your own situation, in this area of life where you actually have some say? And I think that's a really hard thing. It's hard for me, actually, because um, to be really honest, the center of my day isn't always Jesus. Surprise, right? It's just not. I wake up in the morning. I mean, we're doing this, like, diet thing right now. You know what I wake up in the morning? How I feel? Hungry. You know what's at the center of my day? Hunger pain right? And it's silly. I have plenty. I have more than enough. I have way more than Jesus did when he was hiding in a foxhole or whatever, right? I, 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 I've got enough. But resolutions, oh yeah, that gets pretty centered pretty quickly. A lot of things get centered really quickly. My, my, my stress at home, maybe, or my, my job situation, or my family dynamic that just won't figure itself out. Or, you know, we have all of these layers that we might have to deal with. And, and honestly, the center of my day usually isn't Jesus. Jesus is part of my day. And I, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to be honest and vulnerable about the reality that this isn't easy. 
And so I think the invitation is don't set yourself up with a bunch of weird legalisms about how I'm now going to put Jesus at the center of my day. I'm going to tape the Lord's Prayer above my bed. So when I open my eyes, I'm going to see something about Jesus. I'm going to be, look, you can, that's cool, whatever. My point is this, that you, you, you have to understand that when you say in 2020, I want God to work through me and in me and in my life, Jesus says, look, are you willing to follow me even when I don't even know where I'm going to sleep at night? Like that, that's a radical invitation. And it's something radical that you're opening up your life to. It's not simply an idea to contemplate. It's an invitation. And there, it can hurt. Oh man, but it can heal. It can bring life. I, I think that Jesus really does, in fact, help us to be better at life. He makes our life better by making us better at life. I really believe that but we have to count what that means in so many arenas of our lives. Are we open? Are we listening? You know, the passage goes on and says, then Jesus said to someone else, follow me. So now he's being invitational. The first guy's like, hey, can I follow you wherever you go? Now Jesus is like, hey, you should follow me. He replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now let's stop right there. That's a rational thing to ask anyone. Like if you get a new job and they say, you start today and you're like, I got this funeral in another state and you know, on that day. And they say, sorry, you say, I can't take this job, right? I mean, this, this is not a big, this is not debatable, especially if it's your own parent and you like them. Now, if you don't like, no, I'm just kidding. But, but you get the idea, right? But Jesus is going to answer in a way that isn't nice. He says, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. What a thing to say to someone grieving. But you go and spread the news of God's kingdom. What in the world? I would never give that pastoral advice to anybody. Like there's no universe in, in which you come to me and say, hey, I really want to invest my life into what's happening at Pangea. I want to serve. I want to get into the world. I want to get my hands messy. But you know what? I have this thing coming up with my parents. It's really sad. I need to go deal with that. I'm not going to ever in a million years say, hey, don't worry about it. There's some dead people who are going to bury your dead people, right? Like they're, it's already, they're already dead. It's essentially what Jesus is saying. It's like, you can't bring them back. Bad pastoring. Bad. Terrible. The worst. You just traumatize someone for the next five years. They're not coming back to church. And if they come back to church, it's a miracle. And God actually, I think, will kind of be like, hey, dummy, why'd you do that? Like, I, I, it's not like, you know, and that's why this is, oh, I'm off topic. Here we go. You can't take the Bible so literally that you say, it says to do this in this situation, so we always do it. Jesus knew this one individual needed this one conversation. There's nothing universal about this except probably the bigger principle at work. And what I think Jesus understands is that there is an urgency. There is something breaking into the world in the first century and in the 21st century. There's something urgent, and I don't mean urgent in like, so we've got, ah, you know, frantic, but urgent in the sense that, look, this is a big deal, so step into it. Step into the slow, growing process of what it might look like to become more like Jesus, who is the human all of us are designed to become. 
when we look at Jesus, we look at the face of the one who does humankind the best. There is an urgency insofar that if we want to be the kind of people who learn what it means to become more and more human, we've got to step today. So how urgent is the way of Jesus in the past decade and in a new one? And that's something to hold and sit with and process. And you know, I really, really struggle when Jesus says things that are really, really mean. But I think if we look deeper at what he's trying to mean for us today, that we can see sometimes looking backwards is very important but sometimes stepping into your destiny is more important. And that's part of the challenge, I think, of Jesus. And so I want to offer a second question. And this will be for a short conversation. And look, you, you don't have to go to the depths of your experience. Maybe just highlight one example of this question. Let me frame it for us. What I have written down is, What do you desire most from your relationship with Jesus as you start a new decade, and why? And for various reasons, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, that may mean different things to different people, the question itself. And so if if relationship with Jesus, you're you're like, that's something I'm still sorting out, then maybe you're, you're thinking to yourself, what kind of person do I desire to become? that maybe mirrors Jesus in some way, right? Or maybe if you're a follower of Jesus, and this is something you're really like all in on, well, what do you want? Jesus says that multiple times in the Gospels to people. What do you want? Not anything passive. He just is straight up. What do you want? What is your desire as you move forward? And so, I want to invite us to step into that, and um, why don't we have some discussion about that? It's a heavier question, I realize, but hopefully it just sparks some, some good conversation, wherever it might lead you. I think, I think one of the things that we, we often don't give enough credit to is desire. Um, I, I grew up in a space of life that desire was often negative. Desire was, don't do these things. Don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls to do. Yeah right? That was my annual joke, right? I do that once a year. Um, but but that, that was kind of what Christianity was, and then believe the right things. And, and that's an overstatement, but that's how it felt at times. And, and sometimes we have to say, well, actually, there, there are desires that are part of the way God has designed us. There are these innate cravings we have, cravings for community, cravings for love, cravings for justice, cravings for beauty. These are, are built into us, and we, we are invited, we, we are invited to pay attention, to notice. And so, as we look backwards and step into what might be forwards with foresight, we're, we're doing ourselves, I think, a very good favor. We're blessing ourselves by asking, what is it that I deeply desire? Is Jesus present in that desire? Does that look like the way of God to me? Test that with others, process it, and then step into it. You know, there's one more little exchange along this little journey Jesus is on. And it, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same kind of deal. Doesn't feel very good. Verse 61 of Luke 9 says it this way. 
someone else said to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say goodbye to those in my house. So now it's not even like funeral. It's just, hey, I just want to say goodbye. My kids, maybe, my parents, whoever these people might be, spouse. Jesus is like, look, you don't, no, he doesn't say look. He says, Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for God's kingdom. Now, I don't know if you've ever pushed a plow before. Um, my guess is most of you have not pushed a plow, but maybe you've pushed something like a plow. Um, if you grew up in farm country, you've seen plows, but they're much more machinery-ish now. But in the ancient world, these plows were either pulled by animals or there were push or both, right? And it's very, very fascinating that, that Jesus again will emphasize, look, sometimes there's a gift and not continuing to look backwards. So, so in some ways, what I've said today is sort of sounds kind of contradictory. There's plenty of other uh, places we could go in the New Testament that say, you know, reflect backwards. That's very good, a very important discipline. But again, what Jesus seems to be getting at is this. Looking back is important, but not as important as moving forward. We need foresight and hindsight. And so as we step into this new year together, as our church rhythms are shifting a little bit, how we gather, right, is shifting a little bit. As we look at a year where our newsfeed, if you're a social media person and you're, you're seeing a lot of stuff come through every day, your emotions are going to be overwhelmed sometimes. You're going to feel like, kind of like, almost like, I can't, ah, right? You ever feel that way when you're just looking at all the suffering and pain in the world? It's all real. When you notice the pain in a city like ours, the suffering in a city like ours, when you know about pain in your own family network, your friend network, when pain is real and, and, and you're just trying to figure out how do I process what's come before me and how do I step into what God might be leading me into, here's one thing I can promise you, pain isn't going anywhere. You wanted good news. There isn't in that regard. Pain doesn't disappear because a new year has emerged. However, you have the invitation to step into pain in a different kind of way. To step into stress in a different kind of way. To step into conflict in a different kind of way. Because when you step into these things differently, you'll be able to say, hey, a decade ago or during that decade, I remember this painful thing happened and what it did to me and my network of relationships and how that was processed. And now I think I might have some new resources, whether it's friendships, therapy, Jesus, all of the above. And maybe this time I can step into these things differently. That's the gift of foresight. That's the gift of hindsight. And so my prayer for each one of us is that we wouldn't imagine a world or a life where things are always just suddenly put back together and I'm not going to deal with it. Look, it's highly possible 2020 is going to feel like the worst year of someone's life in this room. You can have 
the worst year of your life and step into it differently. Because we serve a God who stepped into a very rough season. He stepped in all the way to crucifixion. And we model our lives after a God like that. 